Thank you very much, Francis. Thank you, John. And I think I'm pretty sure that this is my final seminar of Industry Week here on EPAR Trade. And so I just want to take a quick second to say thank you guys for including me and everybody out there who has watched. It has been tremendous. And I've had people reaching out all week long. Thank you so much. You can always follow me on the social and, and podcast, et cetera. But now let's get into it with Chuck Lynch. Chuck is here from AERA, which is Autom Automotive Engine Rebuilders Association. It's got a really cool system going on. But Chuck, before we get into that, I want to start about where you got your initial training. And thank you for serving in the United States Marine Corps. That had to be very exciting. And I immediately know a little something about you and your business because of that. So thank you for your service. Well, thank you. <clears throat> and so uh, let's talk about the business and how it can be helpful to others out there. Ultimately, you're kind of passing along your life's uh, work and, and information, like all the advice that you have built or knowledge you have built, you're passing it on to others through Automotive Engine Rebuilders Association, the AERA. Tell us how and tell us a little bit about it. Okay, so the Engine Rebuilder Association started in 1922. So we're coming up on our 100 year anniversary and pretty excited about that. <clears throat> our tech team is all seasoned professionals that's come from different parts of the industry. Uh, Steve, who was gonna be on with me today, actually came from a race shop in the Indianapolis area. He was a drag racer. Uh, Dave, he's a gentleman who moved down from Minnesota. He had worked in the heavy duty industry. Myself, uh, I worked at Jasper Engines Transmissions for 20 years. I worked in for Rottler Manufacturing as a service tech. I've worked for Mala Clevite. Uh, so uh, again, most of the tech team has either been a shop owner, Rob, he's in British Columbia and he owned his own shop there. And then Brian, he's worked for Felpro. He's worked for uh, MSI, Dana Corporation. So that's kind of how we build the, the tech base. And then we're a library of information. So over the past hundred years, we've uh, accumulated tons and tons of manuals. Uh, and then we take manual type documentation and we disseminate it in a, either a program or we have members that will call, ask for information, and then we email still fax some, you know, technical information, but we put it in a format that is more driven for the machine shops use. Uh, so it's block specs, it's head specs, it's crank specs. It's not the big manual and you sort for this spec and then you look around for that spec. Uh, so we just try to organize that and uh, improve the efficiency and flow. Very, very exciting. Like I can immediately think that there are a lot of people would like to have that resource available and I'm understanding that it's a membership organization so we're trying to drive membership for people out there like you you purchase a membership and is there a limit on a membership like tell me a little bit about that part of it because the people that are watching right now it sounds like this is maybe one of the most easy uh, things to get involved with on industry <clears throat> week because you're you're joining a brain trust really absolutely so as with membership uh, there's various different levels of how it's approached. So we have, you know, our custom engine machine shops, uh, high performance shops, production engine rebuilders. Uh, so we have, basically it's a membership. Anybody can become a member that fits the criteria to be automotive machinists, right? So once they reach that criteria, uh, 
then they become a member and then we expand the materials that are available to them based on the size of their organization. So membership is one thing and then Process Pro, which is kind of the flagship, it's the web-based uh, side of where you can go and see the information. So Process Pro would have those tabs that I was talking about where block machining, head machining, so forth. And you can see that on a, a mobile device, your PC, whatever, depending on the size of your group, you would pay an additional fee for Process Pro. And then once you get beyond a certain number of seats, then then it's as many logins as you want. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very mobile uh, information thing. We get calls all the time. Hey, I, for, I forgot to uh, print something off this bulletin. Well, you can, hey, you can take a look at that on your phone or your, you know, your iPad, whatever the case may be. It doesn't have to be a PC. Uh, but yeah, we've definitely tried to make it very uh, user-friendly. And save time. Anytime you can make it user-friendly, they're saving time. Time is money. If these are machine shop guys, it's already uh, you know, very uh, time exhaustive if you're going to do it the right way. Accessing information from you guys, if you make it easy, that's great. So is there like a limit on tech calls or requests? Is there any limit on that kind of stuff? No. With, with membership... And it really varies uh, shop to shop. Some some people are more inclined to use tech. Some are more inclined to pick up the phone and say, hey, help me out with this. Send me this information. So, you know, as long as the tech line's open, uh, which is 7 a.m. Central to 7 p.m. Central, uh, you can get somebody to pick up the phone, take your call. Uh, we're an international organization, so... Pretty much I'm I'm the lead guy coming in. I live in the Eastern time zone. So in the morning when I come in, I usually am the one who's caught all the emails that came from around the globe uh, to queue those calls. So yeah, it's uh again, there's no limit to to what's asked. And quite honestly, th the fact that we use dollars to resource information, we also take calls on, hey, how do you change the spindle bearing in X? What's the torque for a drive shaft or you know it's it could be any and everything you know today i can say that we had a couple of different calls where people wanted uh wiring diagrams for dodge truck you know so it it really does it gets outside of just engine machining but you know it's just information so and it helps us too it educates us as well well, that's great. That's a great resource. We can open it up to our audience out there on epartrade.com. And thank you all for joining us this week. If you do have a question for Chuck, put it into the comments section and I will get to it. And uh, with with a, a membership organization like this, Chuck, I would imagine the questions uh, could be wide and varied um, as you must hear some crazy stuff. I can't help but ask, like you have to have a story of something that Maybe has thrown you for a loop a little bit, something out of the ordinary that was a little fun? Yes. You know, as we are a global organization, some of the things that people will try is, you know, hey, can I fix a camshaft germinal with JB Weld? You know, <laughs> you, people will, will come up with some pretty crazy things to salvage something. And again, and we're talking to people all over in every climb and place. Um, you know, trying to fix a casting that's cracked, um, things of that nature. Uh, hey, can I, 
can I mix a, this piston with this piston from an engine? So it can, it can be scary. And, you know, and, and we try not to make too much light of it, but it, it, it is, you know, the, you know, wisdom is, uh, is totally different than knowledge, right? So experience is where wisdom comes from. And, uh, you know, you learn those things you can't do. Uh, one of the things I was just saying recently um, in a conversation with, uh, you know, Lake and Keith, I know that you work with those guys all the time. So is, you know, we, we seem to forget what, where we were at one point in time. And when people ask, you know, about torque plate honing, it's one of the things that, uh, you know, just lately, I know the, the thing you did with Judd and we were talking about torque plate honing. Oh, okay. Um, you expect people to know certain things like that, that you need a head gasket between the torque plate and the block. And people ask that question. And then they ask about the fasteners and so forth. And you're, you have to think back, hey, I'm a veteran. I've been in the industry for 30 years, but I was that guy that was just starting. So we have to keep those people in mind. So that's why we have questions from ground level to very advanced questions, surface finish. What's critical about surface finish? You know, there's more to just surfaces than roughness. You got waviness. You know, a lot of people don't give that any consideration when they're setting up their equipment or maintaining their equipment. So very interesting. Getting a shout out to the Hidden Horsepower podcast. Uh, if a guy like you is able to listen to it and get something out of it, it makes me feel great. And just for the audience out there, the answer is no, you cannot fix a camshaft with JB Weld. <laughs> right? Absolutely correct. Okay. Uh, the online training program, let's delve into that because, uh, and, and in a second, I'm going to ask you to tell everybody uh, how they can get involved. I like to do that a couple of times per seminar because people come in and out, let's face it. But how long does one have to, uh, to complete the course? Like, how, you know, as far as training, how does that all work? Okay. So the online course is set up that you, there's a, it's online, of course, and there's also a book. Uh, Gary Lewis has written the book. He's been involved in in automotive education for many, many years, and he's he's part of our board. Well, we've actually rolled this out. So there's about 70 schools that are involved in the administration of the online training program. Uh, many of the larger engine rebuild facilities actually use it as a way to test competency of their folks and then use that as hey, if you pass this, then we can pay you more. You know, it's it, you have to give both ways. So in in that regard, um, you know, those are the folks that are involved in taking it. As far as the time, it's it's set up as as a year, and you can kind of go at your own pace. Now that's where we like working with the schools, so you have someone who facilitates that, so that they don't. Uh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You know, keep everybody on task. Um, you know, Sam is actually one of our uh, big proponents of the uh, online training program. Uh, pretty much all the students come out of there, have the certification. Uh, again, we have many schools across the nation. They do things at different levels. So we have some who actually administer it as part of their curriculum. And we have some who recommend it and then they'll try to they'll keep track of the students uh 
And then Rob Monroe on our staff, he actually works directly with every student just to keep them on pace and uh, make sure that they get it accomplished. Excellent, excellent. Getting some uh, love out there. You know, great point. New people are always coming into the trade. Can't punish them for asking a question. And I can't help but think about, uh, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. But we we all have like about 40 years of really good knowledge time between 20 and 60. And to pass all that information down to the next generation, it's sad, but you can't, there's very few like 10 year olds that you can start feeding very detailed machining knowledge, right? They have to get to a certain point before they're ready to receive the information. And then you got to start from scratch. So that's kind of a, a challenge of all of the knowledge that you guys have acquired over the years. You got to, you know, you, you want to pass it down, but it's got to be people that want to receive the information. And that's, and that's maybe the challenge we've experienced over the past few years. <clears throat> Absolutely. And we try a lot of different things. We have what we call tech and skills regional. So quarterly we go out uh, throughout the country. It's usually hosted by, you know, a parts manufacturer. We've, uh, we've done these, uh, many of the different parts manufacturers where they host it or distribution warehouses. And then we invite members or even non-members to come in. And then it's a whole day of just seminars. So technical presentations, they might get a tour, see how something's manufactured. Uh, so we, we try to promote education by that. We have the Engine Rebuilders Educational Foundation. Uh, so we do creative things like we have auctions. We, we've worked with Rottler for many years at their open house uh, at the PRI show. Uh, we do a lot of, you know, raffles and things that to generate money so that we can continue the education of young folks that are interested in coming into the industry. Uh, we've recently started a podcast ourselves. It's the Engine Professional Podcast. Uh, so we're trying to make that very data-driven, uh, detailed, technical type stuff. Initially, we had to start out with who we are and what the mission is, but, you know, we've started to roll into the, uh, to the technical component of it, you know, so um, engine machine shop care and maintenance, how do you sell yourself, you know, good advertising, you know, make yourself look presentable. You know, if a guy comes into your shop and it's a dark dungeon, he's maybe not going to trust that you're going to be a, a precision environment. Uh, we have the engine professional magazine uh, that's a quarterly publication. Again, another very technical program. Uh, when it, anyone becomes a member, we have uh, these manuals that everyone gets, regardless of whether they choose process or not. So cylinder head manual, you know, has things like installed stem heights, uh, spring rates, valve seat angles, things of that nature. Now, if we put every single specification that we have in process, well, you would need a two-wheeler to move any of the manuals around. So they can only be abbreviated in these manuals. Understood. Uh, regarding engine specifications, let's dive into that a little bit for people who are, uh, you know, obviously the mainstream stuff you've got, but what's the year range that uh, AERA covers? So again, since the the organization's been around a hundred years. Uh, you can well imagine that our library has stuff for the past hundred years. So it's not very uncommon to get calls for, you know, on Duesenberg's Institute of Acres and 
and chords and things of that nature. So it can range from your, you know, the early 1900s to, to modern day. So I may have a Model A Ford call and immediately after it have a 2022-4 GM direct injected that's having a problem or something. So, uh, you know, a lot of the machine shops are doing warranty service. So they're dealing with dealerships. So it's everything in between. And we talk about, uh, you know, name badges, what's recognizable. Me working in the in industry and working in a production engine rebuilder environment, I thought I knew a lot about what was out there until I got on the tech line and realized I didn't know anything about this, all the engines around the globe. I mean, we have everything from, you know, Acura Alfa Romeo to Zeter Tractor, uh, Great Wall, tons and tons of Chinese stuff, uh, which is a real challenge for us right now because the specs are really hard to find. Uh, but yeah, it's, if you can think of it, um, one thing that is interesting though is 50% of our calls now are definitely, they're diesel. Really? Well, that makes sense. Diesel is, you know, exploding popular. Um, you know, they've got it to the best it's ever been, I would imagine. Why don't we take a second for the people that are viewing out there and have already decided like, hey man, this is something I'd really like to be a part of, get involved in and, and have access to. How do they join? Where do they go? And uh, let's let's give them that information right now and then keep going. All right. So the easiest thing to do is go to aera.org. And at our homepage, there will be plenty of tabs that will show membership because depending on where you are in the globe, there's going to be some different fees for membership. Uh, that can hyperlink you out to engine professional you can get tutorials on our youtube page which you can get a link to so all these links would be right at our home page it'll give you our history our mission and again you can see about the cost based on your shop size of the organization of where you are on the globe and uh, learn a lot more about the organization as well excellent if you've got a question put it in the comments section and we will uh, get after it. Uh, do you have to be a member of the organization to purchase the uh, the Process Pro? Uh, is that a members only? Is everything members only? Or are there things that are available to people who maybe want to access some of this knowledge without becoming a member? So we take, we do take a fair number of cold calls and people have a one-time question or something of that nature. And we do answer stuff like that. But Process Pro is only available to uh, prescribing members. So, uh, that is a increase or a, an additional cost over membership for process. Excellent. So Tony asks, and I think I know the answer to this question, but let's ask it anyway, uh, in, in that, how are you dealing with EVs? You guys are engine people, EVs use electric motors. And so while we're seeing this transition happen, there are always going to be engines. Uh, you mentioned Duesenbergs, they're still out there. Uh, they're always going to be engine, but how are you uh, you know, dealing with that, asks Tony. So that's actually, I actually did another uh, podcast and, and YouTube video with a, another group, the Parts Counter Gurus recently, and that's specifically what we were talking about. And yes, that transition is coming uh, right now they're 
and, and I mentioned in, in that podcast, there's, there's a lot of, uh, it's like the wide gauge, narrow gauge time in rail. So it's a little bit hard for us to know which direction we're going. So you don't want to dedicate too much until the stuff gets a little bit more narrow, nailed down. But what we do know is as the stuff is transitioning that direction. So you think about start stop technology. Well, there's already some things that uh, have evolved like water pumps, alternators, starters, you know, starter used to be used four times a day. Now it's 60, you know, start stop technology. So understanding and learning from those components as they get you closer to electric and the hybrids as well. So yeah, there's going to be a point where you have to pass the baton. Uh, but we still also have to support our core group. So we don't have a good definitive answer and say, okay, hey, here's where we hand the baton off. Uh, again, we know we're still working on stuff that's 100 years old. Then how many years from now are we still going to be working on the stuff today? You know, so it's a challenging. I like the, yeah. I like the reference to the wide gauge, narrow gauge uh, in rail. And I'm surprised that I got it, but I got it. It's a great analogy. Like we're at the very beginning of something new and we just don't know exactly what's going to win out or why uh, just yet. Uh, walk us through a process. Like let's say you're a shop and you're looking for, um, you're looking for information. You're already a member. You got your membership. You pick up the phone. Someone answers. How does it go? They're just like, hey, I got this. Uh, explain it. So each member's got a unique ID number. And that said, you're going to say, hey, Chuck, I have this VIN number, hopefully. I have this application. You know, if it's a, say it's a 2013 uh, Dodge Hemi uh, in a charger or whatever. So he's going to give us the member ID. He'll give us as much information he can about the application. And then he's going to uh, tell us whether he wants that information either emailed to him, faxed, whatever the case may be, or it, maybe it's something simple. Hey, I just want the crank housing bore and the torque for the main bolt. So I'm just checking out a block. So then we just share that information over the phone. But, but by and large, uh, we like to have a timestamp of that. So that's why we have the member ID number. And then in our database, I can go back and I can sort that by, well, how many calls have we taken for the 2013 5.7 Hemi and a charger? How many of them have been about a block? How many calls have been about a head? So we can extrapolate all that data and, and use that to help us either fill voids in our specifications, create technical bulletins because of problems with uh, a particular product, or, uh, you know, if there's a specifications not shared and enough people keep telling us, well, the installed spring height or the installed stem height has been X. And then we can take all these data points and say, okay, so we'll put it in a process that we don't have an actual known specification, but we have an as reported and the as reported are pretty consistent. So you can probably trust that. Interesting. Um, these specifications in terms of uh, what you guys provide, is it always uh, the factory spec or is it 
an involved spec in that, you know, as technology gets better, things are learned, that wisdom that you talked about, um, you know, this is what it's supposed to be from the factory, but we have found over time that this works better. Do you have that as well? Actually, I have a, a good example of that happening this week, like a 402 Chevy. It was a, it was a eutectic piston. It had steel struts. Now, if you try to get a piston, it's going to be hyper eutectic because no one's going to manufacture the piston like they did many years ago. Uh, so we do get in those situations. Hey, this is the OE specification. That's what we typically always put in process. Our advice, though, is you talk to your piston supplier because you have either eutectic alloy, you have hypo eutectic alloy, you have hyper eutectic alloy. And then each piston manufacturer has their own recipe a little bit. Is that thing going to be 16% if it's a hyper eutectic? Or is it going to be 21% hyper eutectic? Which is, that's not typically anything you're going to see. I'm just throwing that out there. But they have their own recipes. So the thermal expansion is going to be different. So you're going to have to size your bores accordingly. So we can tell you what OE said, but if you're going to delve into the performance aftermarket parts, then you better do a little bit more research and make sure that the piston to wall clearance is going to be satisfactory for your build. Now, when the people are just doing stock replacement stuff, you know, our specifications are going to be pretty safe for them. That makes sense. And uh, again, the point is to have some one, some uh, brain trust, if you will, that's reliable, that's at the other end of your device or your phone, where you can pretty much have everything covered that may come in the door. If you're a shop in an area where there's cars, something comes in, you don't know what it is. They've got you guys on the other end of the phone line to be able to call and get just endless data and specifications that isn't available. Uh, certainly better than searching on YouTube. Right, right. You know, we kind of laugh about being YouTube certified. We all know there's some great information out there and there's also some pretty scary information out there. Uh, another thing that we offer that I hadn't mentioned earlier is I do custom training. Uh, so I do go to machine shops and I might, you know, just having come from in a production environment, you know, just look at, hey, what things can help your throughput and your efficiencies. Uh, I used to actually manage the calibration lab. So, uh, you know, I know about a lot about GD&T. So can help people, hey, are you actually measuring properly, uh, maintaining calibrations? Is your, are your gauges and tools being used properly and maintained well? Uh, equipment, I don't do service work, but I do help out with training and actually have a relationship with the equipment world as that I would call them and say, hey, do you, you care if I work on this or try to help this guy out? And we have a great relationship for many years of service together. So, and is, is that one of the challenges that you find uh, as you, you get out there that maybe some of these, uh, you know, machine shops, et cetera, um, there's a lot to do, a lot of work and, and keeping tools calibrated properly. If you do get off, then there's a lot of bad things that can occur. Let's put it as simple as that. And so staying on, on spec is vital. Uh, is that one of the challenges? And what are some other challenges that you've found out there that people need to be wary of? 
you know, everything typically wears it a little at a time. You know, it's not like, well, everything was good to go yesterday and today it's messed up, except for like electronics, you see that type of stuff. But a surfacer, right. you know, if you got a, a, a pallet jack and you're moving a heavy load back and forth past your surfacer and you shake it and all of a sudden you have a soft foot. So now I've got a vibration that's induced because the machine can move a little bit and then I can create waviness in a surface finish. Now I start having head gasket leaks or something. And it's just something that simple. Uh, when we, when we hone it, we the abrasives that we're using to adjust the cylinder size and create the surface finish is an abrasive. So when we pick that up in our honing machine and we blast it back into the bore, it can impact surface finish. Um, and that abrasive is also going to come into contact with your bore gauge. So you slide the dial bore gauge in and out, in and out, and you start to put flat spots on the centralizers or the uh, locating balls, you know, for measuring size. So if you make flat spots, but you set that up in, in a ring or maybe use a setting fixture, well, there can be a difference between setting fixture and the the gauge ring because I'm a flat spot on the end of the ball changes that, um, you know, yes, you know, spindle bearings, uh, not making adjustments. And again, surface finish waviness, things of that nature could, that, uh, can give you problems. And because they came on over time, you sometimes don't know until it's too late. And then another thing that I, I see often in a lot of the forums posted is, is you know people read halfway between a division on a on a on a mic or a dial bore gauge or something and not truly knowing gd and t and the 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 four times rule uh we often say well i i can hold that to a half or a, a tenth or something and and quite honestly most of us we're not in an environment where we can even measure it that closely and with any uh level of confidence that's that's truly there uh, you try to do the best you can and have a good controlled environment and keep your gauges calibrated and so forth. But, uh, you know, two tenths repeatability between two people, you know, the whole rule of, uh, gauge R and R, uh, repeatability and reproducibility. That's one of the areas that I think we probably really struggle. Uh, we're, we're probably not nearly as accurate as we like to believe we are. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Well, like the four times wrong, but having had, uh, limited but some exposure to the the world of the machine shop and you know handling a micrometer and knowing that it's really hard like that's a, that's a whole element uh into itself and so many facets that affect it like temperature and and such um i'm sure that's a great challenge to get uh, up to speed and for people that you know I, i'm certain they're understanding but to to treat it as gospel that's a different right. Right. You know, and that's why I preach so much. And I know uh, Keith really does, Ed Keebler really does, uh, Bob Dolder about having profilometers if, if you're honing or, or milling or whatever, because there's so many factors besides a lot of people would like to think that, hey, if I'm using the right abrasive, I'm going to get the right surface finish. But what about your coolant? What about the, is that coolant loaded with abrasive because you haven't changed your filters 
often enough and then the filters bypassing so you're pumping a lot of that trash back in it also affects crankshaft grinders so the the swarf that you create from grinding is picked up by your cooling system and it blows it right back into the part uh are you, you know, the difference between vitrified bond and and metal bond there's just so many variables and then now today we take a look at castings you know compacted graphite is it a sprayed in liner is it a ductile iron liner that's in aluminum? Uh, you know, it it just keeps going, and all of those hardness variations uh, can hugely impact surface finish. I mean, you think about a Rockwell tester. So you take a certain amount of load and you apply it to a surface, and you have an indenter of a prescribed size, and you know how hard the part is by the the impression that you can make into the surface. Well, why would a block be any different? I know what I have a crystal that's a prescribed size and I apply a certain amount of force, but I still can't make the scratch depth because the block's harder, or, you know? So I think that you, you just have to really think through all of those things. But sometimes, you know, you were talking about what you, when you don't know what you don't know. And then all of a sudden that day, Ooh, now I know, and I'm scared the hell of what I've done for all those years. <laughs> and can I do anything tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. But that's the wisdom that you come back to. And, and also, um, failures are going to happen. And you just got to try to fail forward and just have it only happen once as best as possible. Right. <laughs> so for people out there, once again, if you've got a question, epartrade.com, where we're all watching, but the chat section is open to you. If we got a question for Chuck uh, about uh, AERA, it is a membership organization and sounds like very useful. You guys are dealing with people literally around the world. And uh, you mentioned, you know, getting uh, specifications out of China is a challenge, but you guys are working on that. Um, and pretty amazing how many, you know, people, places around the world, far off distant lands, like they need engine advice. Uh, where is maybe the most far off place that you've serviced to call from? <clears throat> so Australia is very common, of course, uh, but, but quite honestly, Africa, every day we have calls from Africa and of course, South America, uh, quite a bit of, we have quite a bit of, uh, exchange of communications between Brazil um, and Mexico, of course, but some Argentina uh, and Colombia is really a repair industry. I went in there a couple of years ago and got to actually go to several of the shops. And there is, that is a repair driven society. You know, they're relatively it's a kind of a poor society in, in a lot of the areas. And uh, so they, they work and work to keep everything going as long as possible. So, um, you know, we're a bit unique in the U S we've got a bit of a throwaway society compared to, uh, to South America. So uh, we do a lot there, but yeah, probably in the far climbs and places, you know, Poland, uh, uh well, you, anywhere in Europe could be, uh, but again, the one most surprising to me was probably the fact that we do get quite a few calls out of uh, Africa. And I can tell you just in the time that I've been hosting, uh, we've gotten a couple of comments uh, from Africa about Africa. And 
they are they are uh, elevating as we speak and access to repair knowledge etc that's that's going to be a, a big thing down the road um you know speaking of evs and such but not everybody is on the same uh, technological trajectory at the same time right so there's always going to be uh, engines to build repair etc around the world absolutely <clears throat> and again as i mentioned earlier that yes go ahead you know the the diesel stuff is you know i i had gone to brazil and argentina kind of together on a on a working mission and you know you you look at argentina and they were like 99 percent diesel in in their small cars even uh you know and brazil since they were making a lot of their own fuel from like switchgrass and so forth here it is you know they're relatively neighbors and had a whole different philosophy but hey we can make our 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 fuel and then we can export our gas and diesel while we can make what we can run our own vehicles on uh, but i think you know that's definitely going to that'll go into africa that'll go into some of the other countries before they get nailed down on ev well ex exactly and it's all the uh it's a luxury that we have here the ability that the fact that we can even be thinking about ev uh we you know we have power that is on all the time here in the united states of america pretty amazing that we don't even think about that but it is it is a reality that not every place has uh pretty amazing the uh the knowledge base for the younger folks out there who are trying to increase their awareness this is kind of a topic that comes up a lot as we try to replenish the machinists out there and the next generation of people that are going to be in these epar trade seminars as uh, you know not that people are aging out necessarily you're not uh i'm not there yet but what would you recommend for those folks younger folks who are trying to be knowledgeable and in this field as someone who is an instructor and in technical knowledge someone that fields questions on a regular basis you know be looking out for in in the high school level there's like hot rodders of tomorrow there's project lead the way they've got organizations throughout the country and so forth uh if you like this stuff uh a lot of us hung around garages and shops where they could see some of this stuff being worked on you know volunteer to clean up do anything to get in the shop you know rob one of our guys that's how he ended up owning the business is because uh you know he wanted to build an engine for his nova and later on he owed the guy who had the shop so much money that he had to go to work for him uh you know but i mean if if you have that interest uh there's definitely plenty of ways to get in um you know one of the very recent things uh, that i've seen that's kind of excited me is like jeremy waggler waggler competition products is uh has started a school on his on site he's got a, a test track um drag strip and so forth and they've got a machinist trades program um so they're they're wanting to promote engine building they also do part manufacturing and they are involved in the ev side of the stuff too with the uh with the government so with military vehicles you know they want to be able to sneak into to uh combat zones and but those will probably stay more in the line of uh you know your your hybrids because they like to have an option you know, hey i've got battery but if things get really bad no matter where i'm at in the world i still can run on diesel fuel <laughs> 
And uh, when I was in and you know, I had this conversation in an, another podcast, but JP4, it's a, it's a commonly used term because every place in the world you can access JP4 as jet fuel and you can run most diesel engines on it too. So that's why they want everything to be diesel powered. Well, that, that's uh, an interesting angle and something I've been thinking about, honestly, in terms of, uh, you know, your Marine Corps background, military readiness and the evolution of like fighting force, et cetera, like can't be EV because what if the power is not on, right? Like I, I think about things like that and you just kind of uh, tied it together. I thought that I was having a little bit away from it. Uh, Carrie is out there, wants to know, uh, and maybe this is a school recommendation. Maybe you guys can help directly online uh but you know where can i go in florida and or south carolina um i guess that's where she's located and looking to expand her knowledge base all right so I, my advice would be to uh to reach out to the tech line we'll get you connected with rob monroe and he can definitely uh if, like say we're about 70 schools are participating or if you want to do the online training, just we can do it directly through us. It's like a, uh, you can either do with the book or without. It's 125 bucks with the book or, you know, 75 without. And you can do it at your own pace um, and, and call on the tech line and Rob. And we're always uh, more than happy to help out with that because, hey, we want the people in the industry. Right. Well, a, exactly. Uh, but before I get to, and we're getting down the home stretch here a little bit, um, and I do want you to reiterate, you know, membership, where to go, and even like what uh, membership is. But before we do that, I have to know, as someone who has all this knowledge and machining, machine shop, technical knowledge, engine, engine rebuilding, is this can you still have this as a hobby? Do you have a project? Do you have a car? Do you have something you work on when you get home? Or is this something that you leave at work as work? <clears throat> no, no, actually, I'm, I'm one of the remote guys that works from, from a home office. And yeah, I've got an old hot rod truck, bikes. Uh, you you got to have that stuff. So <laughs> yeah, I'm right. A bit of a machine shop, do a little bit, you know, some blacksmithing, uh, you know, everything just kind of interrelates. Well, that's, that's great. Renaissance man, if you will. And, and that's a, a challenge of our modern world, which our community doesn't have the problem, but the ability to do and build and make and create and dream up ideas. And uh, now with all these modern machines, we've never been able to do more. It's just that you've got to have people that are interested to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to, uh, to get that nudge, you know, it, my son, I didn't, I didn't really care what he did, but he definitely, he had the passion for using his hands and, you know, he, he does custom machine work all the time as well. And, uh, and we just, we'd like to see the folks step into that. And, you know, I've gotten involved personally with the local schools and things of that nature as well, uh, to try to push young folks into that, because I, th I think, you know, uh, like Jesse James, he's always, you know, there's a lot of gratification from looking at something and saying, you know, I did that with my own two hands. It wasn't some big factory somewhere that, that punched this out and we need both, but you know, that's what I told the shop owner where my son went to work. I said, 
you know, I would really appreciate if you put him on manual machines first, because when he was starting in school, uh, he was going to end a CNC program. I said, but I'd like for him to understand what's going on behind those way covers, behind all the sheet metal, what's really happening back there. So when you run the manual machines first, okay, now this stuff makes that much more sense when I'm doing my setups and doing offsets, things of that nature. Well, you mentioned the conversation between uh, uh, Judd, uh, you know, on, on the Hidden Horsepower podcast and the conversation. And that was one of the things that he said that the, you know, punching in numbers on a screen doesn't make you understand how and why and the sound of, of the moment and, and if things are going right and that you really, if you're going to learn, you have to learn on hey, those older style machines, hand machines to really get what's happening. Yeah. What caused that feedback? What, was that feedback noise? Was it vibration, you know, vibration chatter? Did something break? So yeah, you definitely need that input output exchange. So Excellent. All right. Give us the vital information again uh, to join the Automotive Engine Rebuilders Association and have access to endless information over 100 years of specs data and minds like yours, Chuck. Where can people uh, go to join? Of course, epartrade.com has all of these connections. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned you guys have some social media feeds, uh, et cetera. Lay it out for us. All right. So you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook. So, and again, it's aera.org. Uh, so that's that's critical. I've seen a few other AERs out there, but aera.org, Engine Rebuilder Association, uh, Automotive Engine Rebuilder Association is kind of where it started, but it it's become commonly known as the Engine Rebuilder Association over the years. Again, but aera.org. We have a YouTube channel. Uh, again, we have a podcast, Engine Professional Podcast, uh, out there. So uh, please look us up. Yes, absolutely. And, and and a membership is it is it by individual? Is it by shop? I think you mentioned early on, um, it, like an organization, a business uh, would be different maybe than an individual that does work. But how does that work? Okay, so the membership is by the location. So if you have one location and it has a thousand people in it or it has one person in it, that's, that's one membership. But we have some of these production engine rebuilders that have multiple locations. So each facility to keep track of things, remember we have that unique uh, member ID number. So each location will have that ID number so we can track that. So each location will have a membership and then process pro, uh, is going to be, you know, one of the, they take the membership and then there'll be logins based on that membership. And then depending on how many seats they want to have, how many people can be online basically at the same time, because if you just have one process pro membership and one membership and three guys want to use it, somebody's going to bump somebody off. So you can get around that by saying, okay, I want the legacy. I want the, uh, the, uh, business program or whatever, and then I can have unlimited seats and logins. Excellent. Any, uh, any final bit of information that we didn't get to here today that people should know, need to know, or will be benefiting by knowing? 
that, you know, feel free to, to reach out to us. We have, again, we have tons of information. We work with uh, pretty much all of the part suppliers, uh, our associate members as well. So we are a very cohesive group. So uh, again, as I mentioned about the uh, tech skills, regional programs we put together uh, every year at PRI, we typically have a, a big conference where all where members are invited to come and uh, kind of rub elbows and stuff. So we try to drive a lot of uh, uh, relationship uh, building within the within the association and then we have a you know the um, board of our peers is actually who gives our guidance as well so it's not just us the team is actually the industry being a part of this to uh, establish the guidance that we need so tremendous chuck this has been so informative and i feel very useful to a lot of people shops folks in the industry out there your knowledge is obvious and uh, i appreciate what you have done and what you're doing and i see francisque and john have uh, joined us as we get down to the wire i do want to say to, to those two gentlemen and to you chuck like it's been an honor to be able to be a part of this and dig more deeply into the industry and get to know some people such as yourself, Chuck. And uh, just a total honor to take place uh, here at the epartrade.com industry week. And I just wanna thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Uh, again, this is the third time uh, that Chuck has joined us. He did two wonderful tech webinars during uh, uh, our Trade uh, live webinar series. Uh, you know, prior to online race industry week uh, with uh, Sonnen. Sonnen is a big supporter of ePartrade. So, you know, hello to uh, Bob uh, and everyone at Sonnen. And uh, so he did a terrific job and we invited Chuck again because, you know, what the AERA uh, is doing is very important for the industry. So thank you. We hope we wish Steve a very quick recovery. Uh, he couldn't make it today. And, uh, but uh, thank you very much. Registering on ePartrade is easy. Fill out your name, email, phone number, and create a secure password. Next, select your business type. Choose supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose racing business if you're looking to find new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose race team if you own or are a member of a professional racing team. Begin typing your company name. We most likely already have your company in our database, which you can select from the drop-down. Then, enter your job title. Choose Claim Company if you'll be editing your company profile. Other members of your company can choose Join Company if they'd like to use ePartrade as well. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Click Register Now, and your registration will be submitted for approval. You'll need to confirm your email once it goes through. To keep our platform industry only, you'll be approved shortly after. If we require additional proof of business, we'll reach out. Welcome to ePartrade.